Welcome back to the Mobile Home Investing Lessons Podcast with your host, John Fedro. Tune in weekly, plus listen to past episodes designed to make you money, save you time, and give you confidence as an active mobile home investor. Now, here's your host, John Fedro. All right, all right. Welcome, everyone, to a podcast episode number 29 with uh, Robin Banks on the microphone, co-hosting with me. Robin, thank you so much for, for being here. Hey, John. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's good to be back. It's good to be here again. We were just, uh, you and right. Mike were just here on uh, uh, podcast number 22. People can check that out. Talking about closing multiple deals in, I think, just a few months. Um, now, a couple months later, things have changed quite a bit um you've uh well actually you know what i don't even want to say what you've done <laughs> tell everyone listening just sort of kind of what you have going on um yeah and then i'm sure i'll chime in with some questions here and there but please uh yeah tell us a little bit about what kind of what you have going on now yeah absolutely so i've always wanted to open a uh, a restaurant and i had some ideas about it and i said when the right time and location shows up then I definitely would go for it. Well, that happened um, several months ago, and I had to come up with some funding for it. And I uh, tried um, my my funding through several banks and got denied. And right at the last fourth denial, actually it was the third denial of the bank, um, which I was trying to use my mobile homes that I had, which I had about um, 15 of them at the time as leverage, but it didn't work out too well. But I, I came across an investor that ended up uh, purchasing all of my homes, which funded 100% yes. of my restaurant. So that's where I'm at right now. Yes, that's huge. And you've wanted like, – so you've wanted a restaurant uh... – I, I I've heard mixed things about owning restaurants, but from, I mean, I don't know if you're a glutton for punishment or, you know, something that the rest <laughs> of us don't, but it was a dream of yours to, to open this restaurant. Um, and you tried to, uh, you said that you were needing funding and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's a six figure type of funding. Yeah, it was around uh, a little over a hundred thousand is what I needed. And I do have a strong background of entrepreneurship and a lot of my families have owned restaurants and I've owned awesome. one in the past as well. And so it definitely um, is is a lot of work and a lot of challenge, but when the right person comes along to buy it or franchise it, it definitely pays off. Yes. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not one to sit at a nine to five job behind the desk. I, I've always got to be creating. So this is, this was my next venture. So you tried to go to a bank and say, I have these mobile homes that are personal property. I'd like to use them as collateral to get a partial loan or all of this loan. And then the banks weren't, weren't having any interest in that. Correct. They didn't, they didn't take any of that into consideration, which was a real surprise to me. And I had great credit. Um, you know, I had around $3,000 coming in a month from the mobile homes, plus I was selling a few um, at cash price, and I could show for that. Um, but they really didn't want to take that into consideration because restaurants are so high risk to open. Um, and plus, it, it just didn't work out that way. So the interesting thing was that um, 
the day that I flew in to close on the deal, it, I got, when I got off the plane, I got my fourth denial email from the fourth bank. <laughs> I got it on the same day I went to close on on my investor deal that that funded the whole thing. So it was kind of interesting. Okay, but by then you already had the line the the investor lined up and the notes were being purchased. Yeah, I was I was going to close with the investor and I got my fourth denial from the bank on the same day. Wow. That, so, you know, the the universe has its own direction yeah. um, that it takes you, which is great. How did that work out? How did you find the note buyer? Was he a regular note buyer or did you have to talk him into it? Uh, did you have to open his mind up to mobile homes or was that what he or she was looking for all along? Um, yeah, let's start. Let's start there, please. Yeah, it was interesting how it happened. So um, I had a mobile home on the market that I was trying to sell. It was a 3-2, trying to sell it for um, eighteen nine, and I posted it on Let Go. And he texted me, and he was inquiring about that home. And um, he, he asked me if I had other mobile homes in the area, and I said, no, you know, not, not available, you know, for sale. I have tenants in them. So we got to talking, and uh, he said, well, I'm interested on, in this one. Can you cut me a deal on it? And come to find out, he was an investor. And so we started talking about investing stuff. And uh, the next day, I went to go talk to my landlord of the restaurant, of the place that I wanted to, to lease. And my landlord is a little wheeler and dealer. <laughs> and he was like, well, and he knew that I had gotten denied three times already. And he said, well, if this guy's an investor, why don't you see if he wants to buy all your homes? And I said, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so I called this guy back up. And I said, you know, you were asking about other homes. Would you be interested in buying my notes? I have, you know, 13 other homes that I'd make you a package deal. And he said, yes. <laughs> and I was like, okay, shit, what do I do now? You know, so I, 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 I it, that wasn't even in my scope of um, reality. So I called my, uh, my landlord back and I said, okay. Walk me through this because I've never done it. So he gave me a lot of great information. And then, of course, I called you and I asked you about it because, you know, I wanted to get the best um, bang for my buck and I wanted to make a package deal for this guy. So I ended up uh, throwing out a number and I said, if, if you're serious about it and you close on by this date, I'll take off five grand. Um, and and that's kind of how the deal got presented was this gentleman looking to be a active investor or very passive or is he local or is he out of state so he was out of state and he was relocating and after um, many conversations he um i i don't know his whole story but from the gist of it he inherited a lot of money and he had a huge line of credit and he kind of was on a buying spree <laughs> of mobile homes, of homes, used homes, um, new mobile homes, land to put mobile homes on, as well as um, uh, doing some flips of some regular homes. So it was just like, you know, when you're fishing and you throw the worm in and you don't, you're not getting any bites and then all of a sudden like a great white <laughs> picture line, that's exactly what happened. I mean, I, I couldn't have asked for 
anything more because, you know, what my intention was is I needed 100000 to open this restaurant. Um, he ended up buying all of my homes for about 100 and 15,000 and then on top of that he wanted me he wanted more homes but of course I sold all my inventory so what I told him was I would find him homes I would put them under my name uh, and then he could buy them from from me for uh, $5,000 and so he paid the cost of the home the rehab and my my um, fee of $5,000 to do the transaction. So I, I acquired four more homes yes. after that. You acquired them, put them, put yeah. the deals together. Now he is operating yep. and collecting payments. Yeah. So, right. So I just assigned them to him after that. And uh, so I, so there were some parameters that we worked through, which was um, I would guarantee my, uh, I would personally guarantee my tenants payments for three months um and if they moved out within a six-month time span after the three months but six months total i would help him find another another buyer but i wouldn't personally guarantee the next three months so he was good for three months if within a six-month time span someone left i would help him find a new one um and then for the other four homes that i assigned to him I helped him find a buyer for those. Okay, so that was going to be one of my questions: is you know th this this gentleman that may or may not have mobile home experience, if in f he, Which okay. he does, he does have mobile home experience. Yeah, he he's been an active investor all his life. He actually ran um, and managed like a four hundred million dollar apartment complex in another state prior to this. So. He, he was pretty savvy with all of that, especially managing. So properties. no dummy. I mean, that's for sure. No, no. I mean, this. He he obviously did this for his whole life, and then he came into a bunch of money, and he just wanted to play the game of Monopoly. <laughs> and I was sitting on Park <laughs> Avenue, and you know what's funny is my restaurant address is <gasps> Park Lane, so I just have to go. That's all <laughs> I have to say. Yes, there, we're not even talking about. You know, you didn't even try to, that wasn't even your main strategy. You just had a traditional, you know, you're going to sell this home uh, with owner financing kind of ad out there or maybe for cash, but he called you. I mean, it couldn't have been more of a layup. Uh, well, obviously you did have to, I don't right. want to say, I don't want to take the credit away from you. You're the one that put this together. You're the one that had the inventory and brought this whole thing up to him. But fantastic. The way that, you know, this great white kind of found you. Right, absolutely. I mean, you. But one thing I will have to say is, you always have to be thinking out of the box, even if you have an exit strategy, you know, and that's your goal. Because my goal was to have twenty or thirty mobile homes and stick with them and and be out of the rat race. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that I would sell all of my homes in one package deal to go into <laughs> another venture. But when the other venture presented itself, and I had to find money, and I. And I tried to use my homes as leverage, but I wasn't, I was, I was had that limit to thinking of, oh, I'm going to put my personal property up as an asset, you know, as collateral for a bank loan. Um, but when the opportunity opened up to sell all of them and just be rid of it and get the cash and then not owe anybody anything, I was willing to jump and say yes, but I still wasn't, um, 
willing to just give it all away. I mean, I, I did kind of put the heat on him and said, hey, if you want this deal, which you're not going to get a deal like this where somebody's done all the work for you and will help you for six months and, and hold your hand, um, but you're going to close by this day because I'm moving on to the next thing and I need funding. You know, I, I didn't just let him kind of take the wheel. I mean, I had parameters, too, that said, hey, I, I need this much money. I need it by this this time frame, and if you do this, then I'll help you this much. And it was a win-win for both of us. You know, I think his ultimate goal was to create his own por- portfolio, which he's still <laughs> working on now, and um, and then in a few years, you know, sell it for big bucks as well. And so I just kind of said, okay, well, here's 14 of my homes that are all nice and neat in a package for you, and you can add that to your portfolio. And he was he was good with that. Are you, were you afraid of, well, I guess not, afraid's not the right word, but has this gentleman, now that you've exposed him to these homes in these communities with these park managers, has he been doing more things on his own now, or has, has he been buying homes himself in the area, in those same communities? Well, no, he hasn't been buying homes himself in those communities because the communities that my homes were in, they will only sell to you if you're licensed, which I'm licensed and he's not. And plus, he didn't have the relationship. (laughs) So um, literally, when I flew in to close the deal with him, he's like, well, can you find me any more homes while you're here? And I said, sure, pull into this park right here. And he's zooming down the streets. Uh, I said, slow down. I can't even see if there's any for free and or, you know, for sale. And he slowed down. And I said, oh, there's one right there. And so I literally walked up to the lady. She wanted um, $6,000 for it. I negotiated forty two fifty. I walk out to the truck and I tell him, I said, this is a sweetheart deal right here. I said, this is my number I gave her, and he goes, why didn't you just offer what she wanted, six? And I said, because that's too much, and he's like, I'll pay six. And I go, okay, you're going to pay me five, and you're going to pay six, so you're in it for 11, right? You understand that, right? And he's like, yep, do the deal. I said, okay. So that was on our way to our closing, okay? And so if you're always looking and you're hungry and you're smart, you you can wheel and deal any of the time, but he couldn't go into that park. He didn't know where that park was. He certainly didn't know how to walk up to somebody and negotiate, you know, a cash price right there, but he had the money. And so that's why we made a good team, especially in that situation. I knew the park manager. I had never bought a home in that park, but I knew where that park was. And I knew what to look for based on your program, um, you know, teaching, teaching me what to look for so that I could set him up is a good deal because it was a 3-2 uh-huh. in a park, ready to go, as clean as a whistle. And, you know, because he was looking on Craigslist for junkers that were sitting on empty property to move into a park or onto a land. And I said, no, that's not how you do it. Trust me, I've done that. That was my first <laughs> one. I learned the hard way. That's not how you do it. <laughs> and so um, so he was kind of up and ends about paying me $5,000 to assign a deal to him, and I said, well, for one, your license not on the line, and two, I've been through the, all the schooling, and I know all these park people, and I know what to look for. You don't. And he did. <laughs> Agreed. So, you know, so his deal, what he's been doing right now, he's been buying new homes or homes that 
have been lived in once and rehabbing them himself and buying the land and putting them on the land. And he's he's dealing with sixty, eighty thousand dollar homes right now, which you know that is that is not my category. Is more in the twenty thousand dollar range. So he's he's kind of mixing up his portfolio a little um, so that he can make big money on some of them and consistent money from five to seven years on others and then just flipping homes altogether. He's got a lot of irons in the fire. Um. He's got a lot, and that was one thing that was to my benefit because he was so all over the place. You know, he couldn't see his head, you know, straight on if he tried, but I was so organized and had everything managed that I said, I'll do everything for you. I'll make this as easy as pie for you because you're super busy, and that's what he wanted. So he had the money, which is what I wanted, and I had everything lined up and easy to transfer over, which is what he wanted. What sort of due diligence did he do, and and how long did that take between the time that you verbally negotiated something to then closing, and what sort of due diligence did he want to see? Did he even come down and fly into the area, or yeah, how did? Yeah, so um, so he asked me for my uh, license, my driver's license, my retail license. He asked me for my um, LLC. Um, he asked me for all of that, so I faxed that over to him. He did not um, fly down and see any of my homes before we did a handshake deal. Um, it was in December, like December 10th, that we first talked, and I told him that if he wanted to do this deal, I would need um, 10% down by December 18th. And so he did that. I flew um, in to the state that it was in. And then he met up with me, and I took him around to show him all the outside of the home. We went through the one home that I had posted that he originally wanted to see. And um, and so, and then right when I flew down there, we talked about doing more deals. Um, and so we put everything in writing. He transferred the money over into my bank, and then we closed uh, January 9th. And at that, on that day, I flew back in. We closed on another deal that day, which is the one I said, let's drive through and let's make a deal right here with this one lady. And he did. And we closed on two other ones that within that three-day time span. So um, one of the things he wanted to do was to go through an attorney. And so um, I had known of an attorney from some other real estate deals that I did uh, there in town. So I called them, set up a meeting, um, gave them all the notes so that they could look over all the paperwork to make sure it was legit and so that he would be feel comfortable. Um, and so we went over all of that and, and all the, so I gave all the files to the attorney when I went down the first time and they got everything together so that when I flew in in January and we closed, we just met at the attorney's office, we split the attorney bill, which was um, 800 bucks each. And they basically just oversaw our contract um, of all the notes, and that was it. And then it was a done deal. We walked over to the bank and deposited 
you know, 90-something thousand dollars into my bank. Oh, Robin, I am so happy <laughs> for everything that you've accomplished. I mean, none of this would have happened without without both you and Mike doing this. I'd like to make a mention that you, you keep saying flying into town, and that's because when when you and Mike did that first podcast, number 22, you were, um, you were here... Uh, in Texas. And then since recording that, you've since moved out of state, you've started your restaurant, and that's why you had to fly back into town. So I just wanted to make a mention that the homes that you have or that you had, you did buy them when you were here locally, but you've since moved out. But even then, you, you've you you've moved away, but you're still buying locally. You still have a license. You still have the relationship with those managers. They're still feeding you the, you know, the occasional opportunity. Um, I think that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I want to keep those relationships open um, because I, I will continue to buy uh, and sell mobile homes in the Texas area eventually um, in other states as well. Um, but I can tell you that I'm, I've taken a break for about six months, but anytime I go back to Texas, opportunities show up and, um, and I'll, you know, I'm ready I'm ready for one any any day now, so I'll be going back actually in a week here, and I've already put the word out to the managers to see if there's any opportunities, and if there are, then uh, I'll get pictures and um, and see what comes of it. Going back to the closing, when you did close, the um, the 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 titles, the ownership, the liens. Uh, did the ownership change to his control? Did the ownership stay in the tenant buyer's name? Did the lien switch over into his name or his company and come out of your names? What? How did how did how did that look? Yeah. So on the majority of them, the homes were in the tenant's names, and I was the lien holder. My company was, and so then we just uh, transferred, did a transfer of lien, assignment of lien. Um, and he, his company became the lien holder, and I was released of, of um, all that liability. In the homes that I found uh, that did not have tenant buyers in them, they were put under my company's name, and then once all the paperwork was correct, then we did a, I just sold him uh, each of those homes nice. for a certain amount of money, and um and and he made it made you know everything even with me and then put it into his name and then i helped him find buyers for those and uh and then he is working on putting um putting those homes into the buyer's names the the homes that were filled did you have any pushback or was there any issue sending letters to say you know from now on your new you know all your payments are going to this new management company and did you have any pushback there from any of the tenants, or did they call you directly asking no. what's going on? Okay. No, no pushback. A few of them called Aww. and just said, is everything okay? And I and I explained, yes, you know, um, this gentleman's really nice. I'll, I'll be on site for, you know, three months if you have any questions. And so what I did is um, I helped them transfer their payments over to his account. And then um, since I was liable for it for at least three months, every <laughs> month on the first of the month, I would call my buyers, you know, and just make sure that they paid, which they did. And um, I, I was just kind of the liaison and handled everything for my investors. So it was an easy transition for him, too. 
I'm glad that you brought that up. And for, for folks listening, you you may be thinking, well, you know, you, you've sold these notes. Why would you guarantee anything? And uh, there's other folks that I'm that I'm working with that are selling notes, me included. And when, when, when I find that I sell notes to people that have never bought a mobile home in a park, they don't know this business. They're apprehensive about getting the home back, about uh, selling the home to the right person, about having them become park approved and just jumping through all the hoops. So I know for some folks I work with and including myself, sometimes when I sell a note, I have to, I don't have to, but I, I guarantee that note. I, well, let me take that back. I don't guarantee the note. Like you said, Robin, for the first three months, you, you were going to make sure that those payments came in. And if they didn't come in, you were going to pay the, it out of your, out of your pocket. I usually don't say, say that, right. but I do say for the first 12 or 24 months, if something happens, if the people that I put in their default, I, you know, I got your back. I'll help you get them out. I'm not going to pay for any damages. I'm not going to pay for lot rent or, you know, anything like that, but I'm certainly a phone call away. So I just wanted to make a mention that for the first six months you were, you know, um, he could call you for, you know, a reason if he needed help you were there to kind of have his back and help sell the property and help get a new person in there because he might have been apprehensive about, about that. Is that right? Right, right. So for the first three months, I guaranteed <laughs> it because I really wanted this money. And $3,000 in the big picture was, you know, or 9000 was not going to stop me from getting, you know, $130,000. So I guaranteed it for three months. I guaranteed my availability and helping him find a new tenant for six months, which we're up, we're up now, so that's good. Um, and, and so, uh, but the other thing too that I do want to mention is, so he had to get approved by the parks that my homes were in, and all my homes were in different parks but under the same umbrella company. So once he got approved um, in one park, he was approved in all the other parks. In order for um, the leases to transfer over to him, and so um, so there was a process that we had to go through um, for him to get approved before we could even finalize this deal. If he would not have been able to get approved, then I couldn't have done the deal because the park managers all wanted um, the the lien holder Good. to be the the person on the lease and the tenant to be uh, the tenant under the lien holder, even if their name was on the mobile home. So, uh, I mean, all the cards just played in my favor in this way. And, and you know, a cool thing about it is he, he was hesitant, and he was not sure because he had never bought homes and parks, you know, and they kind of make you jump, jump through the hoops. And he did check everything out that I said on paper because he was running a lot of money in doing um, an avenue of, of investing that he had never done, even though he had done mobile homes, they were never in parks. And so I went above and beyond helping him feel secure and showing him every step of the way, my paperwork, which was in order, my licenses. I introduced him um, to my contractor, to the park manager, and, and basically just called him my partner, you know, for the last six months. And what that did, which was pretty amazing, is, and he worked my ask. 
I mean, I was like a slave. He was like a slave driver. <laughs> he even told me he's a slave driver, and he was. Like, I worked hard for that money. And so, um, but what was really, what's really cool is we still have a relationship, and any time I go down to Texas, he always says, so did you find any more homes? Did you find another home? Or he said, you know, if you ever have another thing that you're interested in, oh, yes. because I do want to do storage units at one time, he said, you know, well, come talk to me. I'd partner up with you on something. And so it wasn't, I, I, I did want the money and I did want to do a deal, but I also have integrity and I have maintained a good relationship with him because he's the kind of person that I definitely would want to do business with in the future because he has all the money and I have the smarts. And so when you put those two together, it, I mean, you can really have some great investments together. I could see a different version of reality where you did not let the park know everything that you were doing. And then that tenant buyer does something negative in the park or something happens where the park doesn't want that tenant buyer in there and then they call you down the road a year or two from now so just disclosing everything to the park is obviously disclosing 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 is the way is the way to go yeah i think it's always better to disclose because then you don't have to go um back and and figure out or have the potential of eating money or losing you know losing a deal or it tarnishing the relationship that you have made with the park in the future you know so like when a when a home comes up in any of my parks they mm -hmm. call me and I can buy it or I can tell him about it and he can buy it through me but they will not sell it to him at the price that they would give it to me and that's why wow. you know he's like I can't believe I'm paying you five thousand dollars on every home and I said well for one you wouldn't get the lead Two, you wouldn't be able to buy this home. And three, you wouldn't know what the hell you're doing if you did buy this home in this park. You know, so um, so we both have something that each other can help each other with. And so you have to look at it that way. And he understood. Clearly. I mean, clearly he knows the the pros outweigh the cons. I mean, if there are cons, it's just the cost Absolutely. of doing business. But to have somebody that he likes and trusts and has put through the ringer and is vetted, and that he can trust, and that you can do deals in the future. I mean, that right there, uh, you know, life is it's short, but it's also long, and you're right. There's a lot of other opportunities in our future um, with mobile homes, with self-storage, with parks, with something else. Uh, I'm curious, you said that you roughly sold these for roughly 130, and you sold, you sold about 13 or so homes, which would mean every home that you sold is roughly $10,000 or less. We sell our homes for usually 20,000 or more in payments. And I don't think that you had these homes to where you, you received like half of the price that you sold it for. Cause I think you, well, anyway, my question for you, long story long, is how much of a discount did you have to take? And did you negotiate that? Did he tell you? that or how did that come about where you were negotiating the price and the right so if the one home he called on that i did not have a tenant in i had it for 18.9 i think um I, that's what i sold it to him for all my other homes um i sold it i sold them for how much was um owed on the note and then what's the interest rate on the note to your tenant buyers 
Um, so, yeah, mine is 14.99%. And so um, the four homes that did not have the tenant buyer, actually five, um, he turned around and sell them for 16.99%. That's what his interest rate was. Okay, but but on the ones that actually had folks inside, um, seven or eight of them, you yeah. So if um if they owed you know um if they owed fifteen thousand on their note to me, then that's what I sold it for. Oh, oh, it's music to my ears. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yes. Yeah. So any so whatever they owed is what his deal was, and the only deal that I made him was um. Five thousand dollars off if he put if he gave me ten percent to seal the deal, and and so he was good with that. You are a tough negotiator. That is fantastic. What would be? Uh, were there any? I'm, I'm sure there were. Were there any surprises along the way? Good surprises, bad surprises, uh, anything like that? Um. No, uh, but like I said, I, I did bend over backwards to help him. So let's just say um, to these four homes that needed some rehab, I let him, I hooked him up with my contractor and I, I walked with my contractor through and said, this is what I want you to do. Um, on some of them, I paid, I, I fronted him the money because he was out of state to pay the contractor to make the contractor happy and then he reimbursed me so there was a lot of trust and and let me help you and I know that you're helping me kind of thing um and so if I wouldn't have had let's just say five grand sitting in the bank to be able to play with to do that it might have put some pressure on him which then he might have been hesitant you know to move forward on some things so I was just in a good position all the way around. I think one of the biggest um, challenges was working with the park because the park, they have their own rules. Like we had to get everything transferred into the SOLs into his name and show that to the park before they would take me off the lease. And then um, I still had to wait 30 days before they would take me off the lease. So um and I had the relationship with the park manager, which he didn't, and he's kind of an impatient kind of person. And so I was having to be the negotiator and the communicator, which meant that there was a lot of work there for me to do on these homes um, in talking with the park. So that was a little stressful. Um, let's see. And, of course, I was biting my nails every month to make sure that all my tenants paid. But I did, you know, I did um, some some good work and getting good tenants in there and I, I tend to kind of be a hand holder too with my tenants to establish that relationship so they don't just bail um, you know so you know that it, that wasn't a surprise but it was a little bit more stressful than really any surprise going on there well I like what you mentioned about I forget what book I was reading but it always kind of said you know know the worst case scenario or you know know kind of the worst case scenario scenarios and I think one of them was what you said a while ago where you said even if all your tenant buyers stopped paying you you would be out about 3 grand for the you know 3 grand per month for the first 3 months which would be 9000 right. which would still it would suck 
but it would, and I mean, it would be very, very yeah, weird. Yeah, but, but I wasn't going to lose exactly. that deal for that. Yes, right. exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and, and that just wasn't going to happen unless a flood or a tornado came and wiped out, you know, but then I'd collect insurance. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so it, it you do have to look at that worst case scenario. Um, and then uh, I did... Originally, I did tell him I would guarantee the notes for six months, and then when we got to closing, I said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'll guarantee it for three months, but I'll find you a tenant buyer for six months if someone leaves, and then he was fine with that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure because this was my first big deal like this, I'm sure I did some things wrong, or I did, like you said, you wouldn't guarantee, and then I guaranteed but I didn't know a difference because when he looked at me and we were about to, you know, we were negotiating the contract, he's like, okay, you are going to personally guarantee. And I'm like, yeah, my answer was yes, yes, yes. yes and yes, yes. yes. You know, because I had an end goal of what I wanted. And so it, I was already guaranteeing them anyway, because they were my home. So, it, you know, I was going to have to eat that whether he came along or not, if all of them left. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but it was worth me to say it because I, I wanted to close on it. Great job. I'm so proud of everything that you've already done. I mean, just from the from the very beginning to knowing you to the now and not making excuses or being a victim or, like you said, thinking outside the box and having to get things done and, you know, you being... You've just always just chugged along and, you know, have been a problem solver, a self-starter, um, just great job. I do want to kind of turn the, uh, I want to change topics just a little bit because I'm just real curious. How, how have you been loving the restaurant business now? Is it, is it, you said that you owned one in the past. Has everything been, has it just been a dream come true or do you love it? Or is it, do you see something? Yeah. Just, a, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, um, it has been just like when I started the mobile home business, I had to learn from ground zero everything, and yes, I I paid and took your course, and um, and and all of that outline of what you taught me helped. And jumping into this restaurant was the same way. I had done it before, but not from ground zero. And so, I got I got extremely lucky, as I did with you. And my landlord is a great person, and he is an investor himself, a land developer and super, super nice, and he really likes me, and so I feel confident to go to him as a mentor in trying to put together the parameters of my restaurant, just like, you know, I was when I first did my first mobile home deal, and and so what I did is um, I used every bit of that money, and I set up my power team, and I hired the best consultants, um, the best business people to kind of lay the groundwork for me and who had done it before. Um, and I, I put a lot of my money into experts to help me be successful with this venture so that when an investor comes along and wants to franchise it or wants to buy it, it is set up and I, I, I guarantee you I, I will be a millionaire. I will, I will make that million dollars. That's the goal. You are just constantly learning and something that's just so foreign, or at least to most of us. But then you're right. You get the experts behind you. Um, that was worth it. Yes. That was worth every penny. 
it was worth absolutely every penny. I know um, when I took another um, uh, home investing real estate course, one of the biggest things I learned in that course was um, you hire the expert, uh, expert, and that will make you an expert. And if you, if you're willing to spend the money to to do that, then you can't fail because the expert doesn't fail. Just like when I bought your mobile home program that and you remember I bought it for my birthday my husband was like oh my god you know what are you doing and I said well he knows his stuff so I'm gonna learn it from him and he's got a program and <laughs> you know and I followed and I know I asked you the same five questions over and over and over you know and I'm like my brain just can't get it done but help me and you did and that's why I was successful in doing this deal and that's why I'll be successful in doing, you know, the next deals is that you, you have to partner up with people who are already doing it and who know what they're doing, and you have to trust and listen to their mistakes and, and what they tell you. Because like you always said, your first is a 3-2 in a park, and that's all you do. Trust me. Don't ask questions. Just trust me. And you're so right. <laughs> there are times when that's for folks you're listening so that's right. you know two bedrooms are still desirable that's not always the case but you certainly for your first deal set your bar high hey, I, there are uh anyway hey well you i i totally agree you know one of my one of my little deals yes. the lady in in that one yes. bedroom 472 square foot rv cooking tacos I bought that thing for 500 I put 500 in it. I sold it for 7500 And then I turned <laughs> around and sold it again. No. Okay, so I'm not saying that you can, you should only do three twos, but I'm, because I've done, you know, a half a bedroom. That wasn't even half a bedroom and was very successful with it. But the easier ones are definitely the three twos. Robin, thank you so much for coming on the uh, for coming on today's podcast. Seriously, and and my hats off to you. This education is what it is, but it's you know you are the one to make the name for yourself that still is making a name for yourself and has the reputation. and And I'm going to be here for you now and moving forward. And I hope we know each other for a long time. But I'm so more than happy and just impressed. I mean, whenever we talk, just the things that you're doing and the just yeah. Anyway, it. You're juggling so much right now, and it's in so many different fields. And you're, yeah, my, I, I'm really impressed by all, all of that. Um, and whenever I'm in the area, well, I expect you. to come by and uh, and have the best Absolutely. table in the in the place, <laughs> right by the bathroom. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, I could not have done it without you. I couldn't have done it without Mike. Um, and so, you know, I'm just I'm grateful. To have supportive and successful people around me. I, I think um, if you get that in your mindset, you can't help but be successful. The ideas and advice given in today's episode are for entertainment purposes only. If you have future ideas or questions for upcoming episodes, please email us at support at mobilehomeinvesting.net. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, the biggest compliment you can give is to like and share this podcast with your friends.